Hello and welcome to the Daft Souls podcast. My name is Matt Lees and today I'm joined by Gavin Murphy All right. and Stephen Hogarty. How do you do? I've not played much this week. I've played a bit of Bloodborne, which I'll talk about a little bit. But mm-hmm. uh, Gavin, why don't you start us off? Because you've been playing a, a, a game that's not even bloody out yet. I know. I've been How? Playing, I don't know. I don't know how I get to do the things that I get to do. How did you get into the Game Factory? Did they let you in? Well, His I dad lo- works at Nintendo. <laughs> I look like one of the security guys. So what I did was I just killed him. Uh, and took his uniform skin, and now yeah, I've, I mean I've got to do this really quickly because I got to be back at the thing because no, it's got a really job good there. job. Yeah. Like it's good and it's easy to do, and you get to play all these solid easy pension. Games. Yeah. Yeah. His wife freaks out a little bit when he comes <laughs> home, but uh, but good. she's dead now as well, so it's fine. <laughs> you have to kill a lot of it's people. It's a shame. I, I really thought you were going to work that out. Yeah. Anyway, um, what have you been playing? I uh, had a big go on The Witcher Three Wild Hunt, which. I think they're doing quite a big job of... Which is Cockney rhyming slang. (laughs) (laughs) I think they're doing a really big job of uh, trying to rename it just Witcher Wild Hunt because they don't want people to go... I haven't played played Yeah, they did that with... There's no uh, way I'm going to do number three. With Dragon Age, didn't they? Dragon Age. Yeah. Dragon Age Inquisition. Mm. Uh, But the annoying thing is, I've played a bit of Witcher 2 and I like Witcher 2 a lot, but I've hardly played any of it. And I'm already thinking, I really should play The Witcher 2. Yeah. Especially because it still looks gorgeous and it's still really good. But then you could wait a month and just play Witcher Wild Hunt instead, or Witcher 3 Wild Hunt. Fuck, they've got me. What are they hunting? Uh, The Wild Hunt is like a big group of naughty people who look like. Uh, Death Eaters or Sauron they look like just a, an amalgamation of every bad person I think they look like walking lore. chess pieces yeah that's got, like, true a weird sort of mm. black armour with a weird texture on it yeah the wild hunt is a really really big thing in uh, Witcher 2 which I didn't know and it's like it's really embarrassing when you go to when you're sent to go play this game so I went to Poland to uh, CD Projekt Red to play it and they're just like oh so they've they've sent the guys who are Experts in The Witcher over. What, what do you think about Witcher 2? I'm pretty mad. Like, what, oh, do you play the first one then skip the second one? Because, no, I'm pretty oh, I hate that. Couldn't be asked. I hate you get sent to some sort of like like racing games and they, they, they sit you down. It's like, oh, right, here you go. And like you just fucking crash the car into the first barrier. Everyone looks really embarrassed. And, like, they've, they've spent years making this game and you're the first person they've showed it to. I, th- I think I've on this podcast or regular features, Log has talked about like going somewhere and doing a feature for Edge. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it was like Codemasters and they were like, oh, put him in this big seat, which was a big deal that they were letting him in there and he literally just fucking just couldn't control the car. And it was just really embarrassing all around. You can't be the best at all of the games. No, exactly, yeah. Um... But yeah, no, so I, I, like I've never played a Witcher game and I was pretty honest with that, but I don't think that matters. I mean, I've played maybe six, seven hours now. No, I mean, I played the first Witcher game yeah. for about uh, seven or eight hours. Mm. And it's the first Witcher game is a really flawed game. Like yeah. It's got a lot of things about it that are really cool, um, but it's really flawed and it's not that great it's like yeah. it's got lots of great ideas at the time it was quite exciting but now it's like I wouldn't bother going back to that also it's got this sort of weird fixation with kind of collecting every time you shag a woman you get a, like a um, oh, a, like yeah. a collectible card oh like um, in real life yeah like, <laughs> yeah. like in real life it's so realistic these games <laughs> except unlike in real life uh, the collectible card would then just be like a piece of erotic art from that of that lady that you hadn't actually experienced it wouldn't even be yeah. like a screenshot it would be like no. It's just something... Selfie. <laughs> that is it. You know, if, if it was like a shot of you with that lady then, as if it happened, but it was like as if it was like kind of weirdly posed and it added this kind of like Pokemon-style gotta-catch-em-all feeling to it, oh. which was like, 
a bit uncomfortable. But then you can have sex with men and stuff as well. Like I think it's just, just well, no, that's you can do thing. whatever you want, right? It's just one of those things that I think one of the reasons I think C- one of the many reasons I think CD yeah. Projekt Red are awesome is the fact that clearly, like, it wasn't like people said this game's bad because of it, but they took it yeah. on board when people reacted to it in a bit of like this is a bit odd. Yeah. And since then, they've actually, like, their attitudes to loads of stuff has just been, like, way better. I mean, Witch Games have still got tons of sex in them. Yeah. But they just handle it in, like, a much better way. Yeah. It's you actually to see, like, lots of abs and shit as well. Yeah. Mm. This, I mean, the stuff now that I have I'm seen, Yeah. <laughs> the stuff I have seen, like, it's been handled quite maturely. Like, it's, yeah. it's very, very, very Game Do of Do you see, get to see Geralt's dick? I haven't yet. Have you asked about that in the interview? <laughs> I, I asked him about his beard. But great, it grows. Great. It grows it in grows, real time. It grows in real time. But does his um, does his cover grow in real time? time. <laughs> and so got trousers. You are over encumbered. Admittedly, <laughs> <laughs> that's not something that happens in real life. Yeah, it, it wasn't a game that I really thought that I would be up for playing. Really, it's kind of the ones that I just think, like same with like Dragon Age Edition as well. It's not really my thing, like magic and shit. Um, yeah, but I think that but, the, the thing that the Witcher games always did really well was they actually like. They, it's rare in RPGs to give you a character. Yeah. You know, most of the time it's like make your own yeah, character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's what I like. Yeah, and I think the problem with making your own character is it's mm. fun sometimes, but you always have this tendency, unless you decide outright, I'm going to be really evil or like, yeah. I'm going to be a, a bastion of goodness. You just tend to kind of feel like that your avatar is somehow a reflection of you, and then you feel a bit bad about doing anything that's bad. That's sort of the idea, isn't it? That it's like a it's a it's a vessel for you to yeah. be in this world, and they try yeah. to leave it as blank as possible so that you can you can become that character. But do you not find that often play? it means that you then make really boring decisions because you kind of feel like you don't want to be a really nasty person. When I make decisions on RPGs, I consciously try and make the decisions that I think the designers wanted me to make so that I experience the best content. <laughs> wow. See, I don't mind so much about the choices thing, but I think what I do mind about is like, I like to play games for story. And RPGs do have really, really good stories, but how can you get into a story if you, as the main character, you're sort of just observing everything, even though you are yeah. getting actively involved? You're not really actively involved. Well, there's ways they get like, around this. Like, yeah. I mean, like obviously classics like Planescape Torment got around it with this idea that like loads of you've been loads of people and you'll be loads of people. Yeah. The person you are now is sort of just a part of a long chain. Yeah. But and then I mean, I've been playing like you know Pillars of Eternity. And that's really good as well. But that does that whole thing of like, you know, souls carry on and it's like past lives. So it's the idea of now it doesn't matter who you are, right. but clearly your past lives have had significance. But yeah, there are only so many ways you can shoehorn in a main character into a story and yeah. allow the main character to be whoever they want. Whereas I, what I love about The Witcher yeah. is the fact that you are like... It's like a dude. just like an actual Geralt of Riviera. Like you're, you're an actual a weird man. Dude. Like, yeah. You're a weird dude, aren't yeah. you? Because like you're a mutant, a lot of shit has gone down. Yeah, you've had a bad time, and mm-hmm. lots of people don't like you. Yeah, but loads of people will pay you and look after you because you're really useful. Yeah, you can specifically kill things that other people just can't. And then stuff like yeah. Mass Effect, like Shepard, is a good balance between those two things. Yeah, and that's like, a good you point. basically decide his past, but Shepard as a character is still well known. Yeah, and people have an idea of who he is, even though you you place a lot even of your own your, personal yeah, yeah. choices into it. Yeah, that's a fair point. It's true, but I think yeah. they've kind of simplified the options a lot more. Like, you know, in the, the thing that was clever about uh, what they did in Mass Effect is you weren't really ever in control of the character that much. You were in control of, like, the way he reacted to certain situations. Yeah. Mm. So the way they got rid of good and evil and turned it to being, like, polite and decent and being, like, rash and angry. Yeah. So yeah. really it was, like, it was a clever way of getting around it because really you weren't ever really making any choices. You were mm. just being, like... Well, you did get to make some choices, yeah. but a lot of the time it was about how you reacted to 
the situations that were going to pan out. And it anyway. didn't really matter what the guy was anyway, yeah. If you were a guy or a girl, or if you had sex with men or women, I guess. In, yeah, absolutely. All the, all, the, yeah, all the other stuff, all the stuff you really had a choice about was sort of, you know, irrelevant. And mm-hmm. that's why it's great, and that's why it was nuts when people had a massive go about, oh, you can have sex with aliens. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't matter, does it? Yeah. Like, we'll all be dead one day. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, which is really, really good. Um, I've... I was telling you guys about earlier, like it's. Uh, I think one of the developers got tweeted the other day, and this is the thing I really like about CD Projekt as well. They just don't give a shit. So some guy, they, they dropped a new trailer the other day, and some guy just random tweeted one of the developers going, "Yeah, but how long is it going to be?" And the guy was like, "Oh, it's going to be like two hundred odd hours. Like it's going to be way more. Like if you do everything, it's going to be over two hundred hours, which like for a lot of people is a massive, massive thing. Because it's huge. yeah, it's just a massive, huge, huge game. And I was playing a little bit and. I finished like a you know a big sort of one of the big uh, quests. Got back to the pub, sat down, started speaking to a guy. Some dickheads walk into the pub, um, start being a dick, and you have the decision: you can either leave it, you can like intervene, or you can just beat the shit out of them. And you actually end up killing a dude. Uh, he's dead. Um, no one does anything in the pub. You're just like, all right, sweet. I'm gonna go collect your bounty, speech your mate. Off you go. Open the door, and there's a guy there with about maybe like six guards going. You kill my son, you kill my son, you motherfucker. Like, arrest him. And, the, and like, you think, okay, well, now I've got to fight six guys at the same time. It's a little bit harder than one inside. No, they arrest you. You get all your shit taken off you. You wake up in prison. Um, and then you're walking around prison trying to find, find a way out of prison. The guard's not speaking to you. Uh, so you speak to everyone there. They're not really having any of it. And then you find one guy uh, who says, okay, well, if you do this thing for me, I'll give you a bit of information and I'll get you out. You do that, so that opens up a little, like, nice little mission thing. Then you go speak to the guard. He lets you, like, have an audience with the the judge. That you speak to the judge in front of the guy as well. So it's like a proper, like, almost like a court thing. And, Law uh, and order. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly like that. And then it, that opens up another, like, tree of missions. Um, and I asked the developer, and I was like, it went on for ages. It went on for a good, like, hour and a half, three hours. I probably could have had more out of it. And I asked the developer, I was like, would I have seen that anywhere else in the game? Like... If I if I had just not decided to be a dick and kill those guys, if I just left it or dispatched them in a nice way, would I have seen any of that? He's like, nope, never would have seen that. Like that's the thing that game developers hate doing is creating work, exactly, spending yeah. money on making content that people aren't going to see. Yeah, but I've got so much respect for it because that's, yeah. that's a fucking art. <laughs> yeah. You know? that you you spend like, and I try and do this to a really much lesser degree in some yeah. of the stuff I do, just putting in things that like. 99% of people will never see but then for yeah. the 1% of people it's amazing Yeah. but I mean the, the classic thing with The Witch 2 obviously was they had a whole, whole act of the game yeah. which just was two different acts depending on what you did so there'd be a huge chunk of the game you just wouldn't see because yeah. unless you replayed it and it's like that would be unthinkable I think in a lot of traditional like structures of how yeah. games get made if, if you tried to pitch that to a publisher oh well obviously you know most players won't see this this yeah. quarter of the game yeah. they go what? <laughs> yeah. and they'd yeah. be like it'd just get Kill, but yeah. the fact that they kind of self-publish and the fact mm-hmm. they do so successfully mm-hmm. means that they can just behave in ways that no one There's else does. Definitely value in knowing that the part of the game that you're playing is unique to the decisions yeah. that you made, and oh, knowing that yeah. something drastically different would have happened if you made a different mm-hmm. choice. That would make me enjoy that, like that prison bit that you just yeah. described a lot more, knowing that it was unique to me. Exactly, and yeah. it wasn't just something that gets dropped in. At one point in your game, and at yeah. one point, if you'd gone the other way, exactly, or, yeah. like, they would have shoehorned it in. And I mean, doing way. that yeah. is mad, frankly. Like, I saw a really interesting talk at GDC from the one of the lead guys from 80 Days talking about, like, how do you do this? And it's like, well, you don't. You just, it's all about elaborately faking it. It's all yeah. about mm. elaborately faking this sense of all these spiraling chains. 
But with weirdly, CD Projects are some of the few people who actually sort of do it to a degree. Yeah. And they really go out of the way to to make little scenes that you only see. I remember in The Witcher 2, actually, it was a bit early on where it was like you could sneak through someone's garden to peek through a window and you'd see an extra like two, three minutes of conversation between yeah. two characters. There's no other way you could see that. Like yeah. you just do this bit, and if you didn't do it, you'd never see that. Yeah. It's that it's just it kind of makes a world feel really it does make it feel real. And I think oh, yeah, especially yeah. now, like, I'm starting to get a bit tired of the Telltale formula. I loved it yeah. for a long time, but now it's like, it's only so long you can keep tricking your brain into thinking that yeah. anything you do matters when it clearly doesn't. Yeah, I guess, like, I think the thing for me is a lot of people are like, oh, it's like Skyrim, like, you make your own fun. But I, I do think that to a degree, and then you come, you know, it's nice to come in in the morning, like, after playing a game, and you know so other people are playing the game as well, or chatting to your friends and being like, you had a completely different experience to them. And I kind of like that about Skyrim. But it was so sparse, I think, that even though it was fun to make your own fun, after a while I was just like, yeah, okay, I am making my own fun and this is great, but I kind of want to be led a tiny bit more. The problem with Skyrim, though, is it was like you did and you didn't. Like, yeah. you know, you, you did have a different experience in the fact that you'd be like, oh, I went and became King of the Majors. And someone mm. else went, oh, right, I went and became King of the Thieves. But in between, you look at, on, a, on a broader scale, yeah, you did thematically slightly different things. Yeah. But Really, the conversations could boil down to, what are you doing in Skyrim last night? Oh, I got fucked up by a bear. Yeah, yeah I got but fucked up most, by a bear as well. Part, in Skyrim, the only difference is the order in which you do things. Yes. Yeah. Everything is open not, to everyone. Yeah. So all the content there, you you don't block yourself out from any content by no. making a certain decision. But The Witcher 2, with The Witcher 3, yeah. um, you do. You make a decision and you lock off like hours and hours of yeah. stuff that you wouldn't that you can't experience now. And people feel really differently about that, and I get that. I, yeah, I can yeah. imagine you can feel a little bit like you're, you're being robbed of some of the content. And you don't want to go back and have to replay eight hours of the same game just to experience four hours yeah. of this separate content. Also, a, a game that's so big, there's no way that you're, I'm replaying that again. Like, there's no way I'm going to get to the end of Witcher. Say I played, you know, 100 hours mm. and I didn't do all the side quests. There's no way I'm going, right, here we go then, doing that again. There's absolutely no way I'm going to do that, I don't think. Fucking waste of time. Yeah. Good job, CD Project. You've, re- you've wasted your own time. You've wasted our time. Yeah. You've wasted your money life. and your resources. Yeah. This is why you don't make games this way. I am really excited about it, though, mainly because mm. uh, like the, the combat in Witch 2 was really interesting, but it was really quite difficult to get a hang of, and it, it had this really heavy emphasis on preparation and potions and magic. And I love yeah. that, the idea that before you go on a mission... You wouldn't just be like, well, I tried to do that. You don't think of being like, oh, there's some of these monsters in a cave. Go and kill them. You'd be like, yeah. cool, let's go and kill the monsters in the cave. You go into the cave, you get fucking torn to pieces. Yeah. You just get so murdered. And then you'd be like, oh, shit. And then actually the way to do it is you go to the library. You find a book about that thing. Yeah. You read about it. Oh, okay. Then you go and pick some specific herbs. You yeah. make these potions. You do all this stuff specifically to fight that creature. And then you kill that creature. Yeah, I like um, that you throw up if you drink too many potions. Yeah. So you get... Potion poisoning. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like real life. Yeah. Um, and I do I do love the way that in like Fable games and most traditional RPGs, you have that like that kind of system whereby if you keep helping out a place, then gradually you become like loved by yeah. them and you become a hero. I like the fact that in The Witcher, generally, it always feels like you're always vilified. Yeah. And even when people are like getting you to do things which you are dramatically changing their life and making their life better, still hate you because they don't event, really yeah. ever like you. And mm. you are always just a tool that people yeah. in the world use. You're a really powerful tool, but it's like as soon as people are done with you, they're done with you. Yeah. And I love the fact that you you can feel like you can never trust anyone. You're never wanted anywhere. It sets a really good tone for like a kind of traveling game. Yeah. Mm. I do. I do like that. But there was there was one bit that, like. He looks like a badass from the start, your girl. Like, because it, it carries on quite quickly. 
um, from the second one, I think. I think he looks like Julian Assange. <laughs> <laughs> but he's like, he's got a giant sword. Like, he starts off and he's a badass. And people are still talking to him like shit. Like, ah, oh, you fucking scum. Like, the little sort of farmers are talking to him like that. I just think, I, you just being serious, mate. Do like, you not read the papers? Yeah, like, look at me. What about this do you think is going to end well for you? Like, I'll put you on WikiLeaks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it, it did make more sense because they've made him look a lot more badass now. Yeah. In the second game, you walk around, you're like wearing like a purple jerkin or something. You do look really lame. Okay. It's that thing of being no, like a badass now. Yeah. <laughs> now he looks like super armor. Nasty. And he's got yeah. a real time growing beard. <clears throat> yeah. Exactly. Defeat all of the world. Yeah. yeah. Can you shave in the, in the game? Yeah, I think you can go to different places. I think there's even like a DLC planned where it's going to be like a custom, like, custom beards. I, I think one of the things that they said in the like, in, like so the big thing like a couple of weeks ago, they're like it's going to have a real time growing beard, but it won't work if you install the hair and beard DLC. <laughs> like if you do that, it's out. Like you fucked it for yourself. What? Yeah, I know. That's. I don't like that. I'm not going to get that DLC. I want my real time growing. Well, beard. I guess it means that, like, because they can't program it in for all different hairstyles, so they have yeah. to just switch it off for that. But, yeah. Pull your finger out. Yeah. Well, no, because they're being Pull really good. Like, out. they're doing so much like DLC for just for free. They're just yeah. trying to support the game. They're basically just, which is again like it's a lot of fucking game, man. They, yeah, I really hope it does really well for them. I think it will, but um, I just, I really feel like I want to play some more of the Witch too. It's just been cause... delayed quite a bit, hasn't it? When's it coming out? May. May. Yeah. That's I'm glad it's been silly. delayed though. Again, like you know, they've they've they're our publishers. They've got oh, yeah. well, no, Namco Bandai is publishing it. No, I mean, like technically, yeah, but they're not. I mean, they're sticking like, it on shelves. Yeah, basically, yeah. Namco Bandai are the mm. distributor. They're mm. not like publishing it really. I mean, they might be publishing it to a degree, but they're not. You know, because CD Projekt Red is like they're not in any kind of. I guess they're not in any control of content or like the DLC no. and stuff like that. Because CD Projekt Red like yeah. fund all their own stuff. Yeah. I've been playing World of Subways 4, New York Line. So. Oh, oh, onto the big one. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Is this it out is, already? Stick your beards up your ass. It's on Steam it. right now. This is a train simulator. You've been telling me about this. This is the first train simulator where you can walk around in the tube and yeah. sell those tickets. And so stuff, right? until now, World of Train, World of Subways has existed in so far as you pick a route to drive, you pop into the cabin of a train... You go forwards, you stop at the stations, you can get out of your little cabin and walk down the, the trains and get out on the platforms and stuff. But once you finish your route, that's it, back to the main menu, you're done. World of Subways 4, when you finish driving your route, you can walk around the train depot and talk to people, talk to the drivers, talk to conductors. What kind um, of stuff do they say? They sometimes, they give you missions. <laughs> <laughs> They'll talk about an interesting train journey that they had and that becomes like a mission that you get to play. There's like slag yeah. off people like oh fucking a girl spewed up all over my train again. <laughs> There's ones like um a, a story about a pregnant woman on the train, and they had to like shut down a line and go like emergency take her off to the hospital at full speed. Oh shit! And then you think I want to try that. Yeah. Then you go, you do it, you recreate it, and you. Oh, you're... so he had to change his route and go to the actual like closest stop to the hospital. Yeah. That's fucking cool. That's what about cool. all the Does other people? What about all the other people on the train? They're going to be late for work. They have to <laughs> chuck them all off. I'd be furious. There's a mission based on who is this what woman? Is it? She's the uh, Queen of Fucking Sheba. Pelham one two three. What's that? The Taking of Pelham one two three. Yeah. There's a mission based on that. Really? It's set in the sixties. That's well, awesome. On the, on the New York um, subway. Oh, I want to play that. It's um, it's really good. I really like it. I mean, it's really, it's really shonky. It's like Eastern European, terrible voice acting. Isn't that sort of the point of those games, though? That's the kind of thing that people sort of like about them. They are a bit shit. It's a thing that I like about them, but I've been looking at, like, reviews from, like, train enthusiasts, and they're all like, 
oh, the acting is so bad and, and the animation so bad and all the people. Training and enthusiasts what do they really want? care about acting. Yeah. <laughs> They're really big into it. You should see them talking about like the Oscars and the Emmys. It's get brutal. Um, we've never really talked about um, simulations, actually, on this right, podcast yeah. before. So do you want to just do that? What like like truck simulators and <laughs> well no because I know that I know that maybe to like people who don't play simulation games I've already talked to you about a bit about them yeah I know that you've been in simulation games for quite a long time you've done a lot of amazing writing actually about like simulations and stuff uh, I can't remember where the best place to read those are probably on PC Gamer or some of it was yeah but That's um what... you've done lots of diaries and stuff in simulations yeah. but since then they've really kicked off and they've sort of become these weird quirky things that are often now people roll their eyes at them as the whole point of them is that they're supposed to be silly and broken but you obviously there's a different appeal to them some, yeah because yeah, some of them have reached a point in the in the quality of production now that they're actually enjoyable for normal people to play <laughs> <laughs> but there's there's something really satisfying and nice about the mundane like in truck simulator, yeah, like European truck simulator, um, just getting cargo from A to B, driving on the roads, obeying all the laws, stopping at traffic lights, getting there within a time limit. There's something really nice about that. That's really hard to put your finger on or yeah. explain to someone who's never done it before. Um, and when it's simulated, just like simulated really well, like you're shifting gears and stuff, and you're going on a motorway and you're staying within the speed limit. And like night, day turns into night, and all your dashboard lights come on. And it's really dark inside mm. the cabin, and it's cozy. It starts raining. You put your windscreen wipers on. Like you're manually controlling all of this stuff as well. Like you yeah. have to press K to put your windscreen <clears throat> wipers on, and turn your indicators on to go this way. And turn, it's it's just so so systematic and structural and. Mm. It's just really satisfying to it play. Satisfying. Yeah. yeah. I, th- I think for me, like the reason that. I just never paid them any mind or anything is because I think they became a I think there's people like you who obviously play them and get some kind of like odd satisfaction out of them and you know it is funny but then I think it's become an, its own thing as well with people making videos of it on YouTube going like oh, oh look what I'm doing with a train oh god like yeah and I can't stand that shit it can be yeah especially well, I think the- I get it I mean there was the joke I mean the problem is it's just one joke yeah but the joke was that like let's like play this really mundane game whilst pretending it's like this sort of like super explosive exciting thing yeah. doing all yeah. sorts of mad yeah. like <clears throat> putting dubstep in the background and playing footage yeah. of trains and it's like that's quite a funny joke yeah. but it's one it's joke it's one joke right. <laughs> yeah, and it hits the head when you do I think Goat Simulator is the one where it's just like yeah it's not funny when you're like oh guys look how crazy we are like no that's not why it's funny it's, well, it's funny. become a, it's become a thing now that people make these games with the hope of courting the appeal of youtubers yeah and i remember actually watching a video of pewdiepie looking at some of these and just being like <sighs> and being like genuinely because you can tell he knows yeah. that these games have been made for, for him. him yeah definitely. And he's just yeah. like this is Rubbish! What yeah. is this? Yeah, some like, of them are awful. Like, um, there's like uh, street cleaning simulator, mm. and like they're made that made earnestly. Like, there's no shred of irony about them. Yeah, um, they might be, as you said, like cynically made to try and court YouTubers and and get cash that way. But yeah, like delivery van simulator, um, the train simulator is a generally quite good because there is a huge audience. Yeah, people, already there. Yeah, train nerds are a real. Thing, thing yeah. probably more train nerds than there are video game nerds, and they fucking love Train Simulator. Um, what else? Are like, but even like, you can go back to like things like Flight Simulator again. Yeah. That's like a huge audience of people who want to play those games. But 
I remember flight sim backs. It used to be really big back in the day, didn't yeah. it? It used to be that I remember people would have a joystick. Like sometimes someone's yeah. dad would have bought a joystick to play flight sim, and then if you were lucky, you'd be able to play with their dads. Like, yeah. Yeah. like oh, we can play Terminal Velocity or something. Or yeah. But that's, I guess, that's the socially acceptable side of simulators in, in terms of gaming. It's like flight sim. Everyone knows what flight sim is. Like, yeah. You can play that, and that's normal. It was the graphics back in the day, wasn't it? it was oh, like, yeah. It, it had amazing so, graphics. So amazing. Yeah. yeah. It was more of like a, a showcase thing that then became driving games and now is, I guess, shooters. But yeah. uh, what's your favourite sim then, do you reckon? What's your favourite, like... Well, I'm really, yeah, World of Subways 4, I'm really enjoying. Because it's like, to to start a train, you have to go through the same startup process that a driver of a New York train in the 60s had to go through. Like, you realise that they carried two bits of equipment on them that they had to plug into the cabin to make it work. Like, there's a brake lever and there's, like, a an accelerating lever they had to plug in. And they were their own ones. <laughs> yeah, you got to carry it with them. I just imagine um, this thing of, like, start the train off and then just go, oh, no, honey, I left my brake lever, lever at home. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, like, you've got to... Um, uh, turn on like the cabin lights. You got to turn on the aircon for the passengers. You have to uh, f- uh, put a key in to open the doors on the left and the right hand sides and stuff. And it's just so every time. Yeah, it's so detailed. Holy shit! Uh, if you have a conductor, if you employ a conductor on your train, he, um, he will do it automatically. Okay. But you can choose to do it uh, yourself as well. Be like oh, Jim. I know. I don't know what other trains you've worked on. <laughs> yeah. Like, but here, yeah. mate, I yeah. open the fucking doors. I open all right, the doors. It's my job. <laughs> Sit down, Jim. Yeah. Uh, there's a London Underground one as well. Again, World of Subways, um, which is uh, it, it simulates the Circle Line in its entirety. Nice. And it, it roughly gets all the tube stations right. And I'm a massive tube nerd as well. Yeah. So. See, I have a problem with that sort of thing generally. Whenever it's like based in Britain, you just spot awful, how yeah. awful things are because yeah. we know it. It's like whenever yeah. it was a Call of Duty level uh, a couple of years ago when it was like. You're in England. There's a car chase on a tube track. Yes. Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it's the thing of like the tube stations didn't really make sense, and they weren't like yeah. Well, no, because right. it was it was supposed to be the Jubilee, the Jubilee line. <laughs> yeah. It was clearly Bakerloo line stock. Yeah. Um, it was brickwork. Yeah. And this is this is uh, it's not it's a cotton modern. cover tunnel. This no. is a deep tunnel on the Jubilee line going underneath the Thames, mate. <laughs> so uh, you're not going to be fitting cars down there, let me tell you. It, it's really odd what that happens. It happens in Thor: The Dark World as well. They're having this big fight. He, yeah, he gets to he, Greenwich. He gets on the tube, but it's I think it's on the Piccadilly line, and he gets off two stops later in Greenwich. Yeah. And it's like. Where Wait. the fuck are you going yeah. for? Like he's coming from Asgard and he can't do that shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. there was there was a bit where a bomb went off in London in another Call of Duty game where like oh, in one shot, in one static shot, you had like a big red double decker bus yeah. went past. There was one of those old red phone boxes, which are bloody quite rare these yeah. days. And um, Big Ben. I, I think Big Ben was there as well. And there was just shitloads of bunting. And I was like, yeah, there's a pub. Yeah. We love bunting. I mean literally in London there are pubs everywhere. And um, bunting. Bunting. Yeah, bunting is quite rare, but very British. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, so I guess we see that. And I guess actually a really good example of an American thing getting it right was the Darkness, the first Darkness game, okay. which I didn't appreciate quite how well they'd nailed mm. the uh, New York subway until I went to New York, like, again, a few years later and was like, oh, shit. Like, it, they did such a good job of, like, yeah. nailing the feeling of being on the New York subway. Mm. Um, I just sort of think, yeah, but... Largely, it's in sim games and stuff like that. It's best to kind of keep out your own country because then yeah. you just go, "Wow, it's so real!" Rather yeah, than being yeah. like, "This is bullshit." I went to see Zombie U before I think anyone had ever uh, played it, and it was like the first time the devs had let people into their studio. So it was like Ubisoft uh, Montpellier, and 
we were talking with them like really nicely and there's, there's a, like a zombie use amazing as well like i would really recommend anyone who's got a wii u didn't pick it up to get you probably get it for about two quid but it's such a good game um but this is like it's all based in london mm. and but there's a lot of like welsh stuff to it as well so they've taken quite a lot of like welsh uh sort of i guess like legends and stuff like that so they were like oh you are you welsh like are we pronounced are we pronounced this right and i was like oh no 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 actually it's pronounced like this and they were like oh Okay, well, it's too late to change now. But there was there was <laughs> one bit. Were, asking. And, yeah, it, it was exactly like that. But then it was definitely like that because they went, um, "Oh, so you guys live in London?" Then like, yeah, they were like, "Oh, sweet." So like, you know, your base is in this underground, uh, in one of the underground stations, uh, Shadwell. In my head, I was like, "That's not underground. That's overground." Mm. And I said to her, "I was like, oh," and he had like the oh, he had like the underground like sign saying Shadwell, and I was like, "Oh, it's." I say, like, oh, that's actually not an underground station. It's an overground station. And, like, their faces are <laughs> just like, huh? <laughs> what? Like, we can't change it now. Oh, like, surely. Oh, no. How, but that's what I was thinking. It's like, surely they would have checked that. But I guess if you're from France and you've never been on the underground, you type in just, you know, I guess underground or overground. Exactly. Yeah. Shadwell. Shadwell. Well, like Shadwell Shadow. is on the underground network. It's on the underground network, yeah. yeah but so. it's an overground train. And, uh, I don't know if you know, but 60% of underground stations are overground. <laughs> We've unlocked the simulation steam. <laughs> simulation steam exactly. is loose. The so, uh, longest escalator in Western Europe is actually an angel tube station. Is it really? Yeah. That's pretty really interesting. I've tried running up that. It's, <laughs> it's really oh. hard. For the band. I always used to try and run up. Well, I still do actually try mm. and uh, run up stairs and uh, and uh, instead of going up the escalators, run up the stairs in the middle because mm. it's a good way to keep fit. Mm. But that is one of the few ones I've yeah. not managed because I got about two thirds of the way and I was like, "Fuck!" There's a YouTube this. video of someone skiing down the escalator. I know, right, yeah. man? Kill yourself. Mm. But, but I wrecked that day. I wrecked the, those developers. Destroyed days. their life. Yeah. Continue now, on. There's, now there's not a zombie you too. From that theme, I've been playing Dirty Bomb. Okay. So that splash damages new. Oh, right. oh yes. Shoot, so yeah, mm. it's really good. It's set in a futuristic London. Is it? Tell me about that, because obviously Splash Damage made uh, Brink, which was sort of like, had some really awesome ideas. Yeah, but like, it fell a bit flat. It, yeah. it didn't really work. Yeah. It, it was trying to do lots of different things, and it didn't seem to do it all well enough but to these really guys work. have made amazing shooters before that. Yeah, they no. Made, like, Enemy Territory, Quake Wars, Wolfenstein Enemy Territory, which are two and, like, awesome objective-based multiplayer shooters. Mm-hmm. And uh, this... They see, it seems like every time they make it, they're trying to make the same game over and over again. Mm-hmm. And this time, they've, this is the best iteration of that game that they've managed to make so far. And because they are self-publishing this one, they are able to give it the post-launch um, support, support yeah. that, that they needed to give Brink and that they couldn't give Brink. It's also PC only, which means they can really focus on like hardcore shooter enthusiasts. Um, it's objective based, based like Brink in that uh, one team's trying to like escort uh, some sort of vehicle from one point of the map yeah. to the other. The other team's trying to stop them, and then after that uh, round, they they flip over and they they go the other way. Um, it's like loads of different mercenaries, and each one has essentially a superpower, which feels overpowered when you're playing as that character. So like mm-hmm. one one character will have uh, can call in artillery from the, from the air. One character has like an understun grenade launcher. That's always fire. nice. One person has like a minigun. One person yeah. can like lay down turrets. Um, it's free. It's free to play. Uh, they have like a, an interesting uh, microtransaction element that doesn't really fuck up the game. And it doesn't feel like you're being cheated if you're not putting any money into it. Okay. And it's set in London as well, which is why I started talking about it. It's set in Shadwell? 
set. Uh, two of the maps I played. Um, there's one around uh, uh, London Bridge. Okay. There's one around Waterloo as well, and it's like it's it's not it's not accurate. Yeah. But it's like they had Lambeth North Tube Station on the Waterloo map, which is like the next stop down. Yeah. <laughs> And like you go from Lambeth North over to Waterloo, it's like oh, that's 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 roughly log used to live. Yes, it is. That yeah. sounds quite cool. Yeah. And I like I like shooter multiplayer things where they give everyone a special power that feels powerful. Yeah, because I love that about Destiny with the multiplayer and the fact that it like just everybody sooner or later you will just get something which feels like you're Cheesy. really overpowered. Yeah. yeah, and yet it somehow just works. Yeah, um, I think that's not a fun. I managed treat. to get this this thing that a lot of shooters get wrong, which is um, it doesn't. Ex- in some shooters, you feel like you're laying, you're piling bullets into an into an enemy and they just won't go down, and they put a few into you and you're dead straight away. And you go, yeah. this it feels like bullshit. It's yeah. they have more HP than than I do, but in this game, feels like I'm shooting at these enemies and they're dying, but at the same time I'm soaking up a lot of damage and being given enough time okay. to get away and heal myself. Yeah. So it's mostly a really subtle sort of math. Might have been that you just playing that. against Press, who are notoriously very bad at games. That's true as well. Um, every yeah. time I played a Gears of War game at preview, I thought the multiplayer in this one's really good. And then <laughs> yeah. I tried it at launch day and just, I yeah. just ruined it. This is children. pretty much what I said to the developers as well. They're like, oh, did you enjoy it? It's like, yeah, I really liked it, but I know I'm shit at this kind of game. So yeah, yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to... Play a lot of this game when it comes out. Yeah. Talking people of uh, are so much better than I am. Talking of being really shit at games and tying it back to what you're talking about with Sims was I tried to play Elite for a while mm. and it was just it was so incredibly frustrating just because I it was so hard and there's so much to remember I just couldn't and actually I, I do want to play Euro Truck Simulator Euro Truck Simulator two at some point just because I figured to that practice for Elite. Well, I can't really <laughs> I, I can't I don't have a driving license in real life. I can I can roughly drive a car. Yeah. <laughs> driving license in real life. <laughs> one of those virtual driving licenses. I've probably got I've got quite a few of them in video games. Got, I can't remember specifically. The Gran Turismo A license. I'm sure at some point I'd be given an S rank in like yeah. Mario Kart or something. But uh, yeah, so I, don't, I can't drive in real life. So I kind of figure that maybe I should like just rather try to simulate driving. A spaceship. Maybe I should just try and like learn how to drive. Work your way up to that. Yeah, I just feel like maybe I'm trying to buy it off more than I can. BMX car, (laughs) (laughs) tube, spaceship. I can't operate a spaceship. Is that of course you can't operate a spaceship, dude? You haven't even got a driving license. (laughs) You're you're provisional. Come on. You can't do like a three point turn like to illegal standards, and you're trying to fucking dock a spaceship. What's wrong with you? but anyway, I guess I'll briefly talk about Bloodborne, which you've also been playing as well, Kev. You haven't been playing. I have not. Uh, It's all right. Don't worry. I'm not worried. Don't worry. Do I look worried? Yeah. Yeah. Look like you're shit now. <laughs> Bloodborne sounds Leave really it, scary. <laughs> Bloodborne is actually scary. Um, really scary. Which is something I've been really surprised by. Because I'll be honest, what I was kind of going in for, I love the Soul series. I love all the stuff that from Software Makes. Actually, yeah, I don't think you true. ever mentioned. Have you played, you played Dark Souls? <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny, Gav. Uh, I don't love everything you make, actually. I thought I'm a cause a bit shaky. But anyway, yeah. I love the Souls games. I just sort of wanted more of that. Yeah. And I was expecting that. As it turns out, Bloodborne is quite different. It's got a really different tone, a really different kind of setting. It's all like hammer horror werewolves. It's beautiful, yeah. It's beautiful. It's dark as hell, mm. to the point in which it made me realise that the gamma settings on my television were wrong because <laughs> the game was supposed to be darker than that. Yeah. Um, and it's really scary, which is something that like there's a lot of atmosphere, and there are there are definitely sections of Dark Souls and Demon Souls which were scary. Yeah, but this whole thing is just terrifying. It's just uneasy. It fills you with, like a sense, even when you're back in the hunter's dream. It's so weird and uneasy when you speak to the other hunter and you speak to the doll, and you see these things everywhere. Like it just fills you with just 
unease dread all the time. And Absolutely. I that, yeah. You not just go home in it. You just go back. Not to really, because the, the, when you go home is one of the creepiest bits. Really? Yeah. Yeah. The hunter's dream. It's very bright and nice, yeah. but it's odd. There's a doll. So weird. It's a life-sized yeah. doll that's just a doll for a while, and then suddenly the doll comes to life, and that's the thing you talk to to come to level yeah. up. It's weird, but <laughs> it's not like super. Think. It's not super creepy. It's still nice, but yeah. and even your friends in it are these little things called the messengers, and they're like little zombie babies. Yeah, and they're I quite like, like them. They're brilliant. But Why they're... are you friends at zombie babies? <laughs> well, it's not that you're friends. They sell with you them. guns. Get some proper friends. <laughs> It's just that they're nice to you. Yeah. And so you end up liking them just because they're nice to and you. they're not trying to kill you, yeah. One of the few things that aren't yeah. trying to kill you. But some of the enemy design in that game is fabulous mm. in the fact that right off the bat you've got all these werewolfy people. There's this idea that something wrong is wrong with people's blood and they're yeah. turning into werewolves. You've got full-on proper werewolves that are nasty. But you've also got like, and what I love about it is there are monsters that you start to meet where like you're kind of afraid of them but also like you kind of feel a bit sorry for them sometimes. Yeah. There are these weird bird things, and they're like big giant crows. And but they're so dark and they're so still on the floor. But often when you first meet them, you don't even see them yeah. because they, you think that they're like foliage. And then suddenly they start leaping at you and barking with yeah. these horrendous growls. But then you really feel they, they scare the shit out of you, and you hate them. But I also feel sorry for them because like they've clearly had their legs broken or something, and yeah. they can't stand or even fly properly for me like the first time i saw those birds um i was like fuck that's just miyazaki like proper trolling people they're just like they start crawling towards you and when you and you're just like oh i can take care of these easy and then they just take into the air and they're like they can like actually come out and stuff yeah but then you once they do that the first time you absolutely shit yourself then you go right okay i understand what these guys are but then they're put in like position so they're always on the floor but then this is one bit where you go down to the sewers and you're walking down and you don't notice there's just a couple of them just perched up like normal birds and they start being like normal birds then it's like no that wasn't the yeah. deal like they just on the, the floor deal. they just start leaping in your head yeah. basically and scaring the fuck out of you also mm. I mean the the one thing is there's a couple of things first of all like Bloodborne actually looks incredible which is something that I've never seen in a kind of any of those games before yeah because they've actually had a budget so they've made oh, something wow, that yeah. is gorgeous mm. amazing dark gothic city mm. um, that's all like interconnected and it you know really amazing level of world design but then also like the sound design in that game is incredible I've been playing it with headphones and mm. it does this awful thing of like whenever enemies are right next to you attacking you the audio mix is really high which means sometimes if an enemy comes out of nowhere and attacks you you'll get this blast of sound that will make you jump out your skin yeah. but also like there's this really delicate mix of stuff going on so it's incredible. Like sometimes in the earlier sections, there are like buildings with people you can talk to, and you'll only know that it's a lot easier with headphones because you'll get close to a building and you'll be able to hear people yeah. inside having a conversation, having conversations. Yeah. You're like, oh, there's people in this building, but then often you can hear like little coughs and, and howls mm. in the distance. Mm. And there's a bit where quite early on, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but quite early on, early on, you you come out of this door. And it's this really wide open area. It's the first time you've you've kind of seen this sort of thing. It's like, mm. this is a big area. And then you have somebody basically shouting at you to say, turn back. And there's all these wolves strung up on burning crucifixes yeah. as a kind of warning. And you've basically just got somebody outright saying, don't come here. And my immediate reaction was not to be like, aha, well, I'm coming. I was actually to go... Shit, I'm not all right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I just turned yeah. back and went back inside. And well, that's the thing because they've all got like all the enemies that well, most of the enemies have got like voices, or they can actually talk. So the first bit where you come up to like, the, like this main bit you're talking about, you could hear people shouting and things like that. And I thought, I thought that they were 
torturing someone and I was like going to go save him or something like that. It's not. It's just them talking. It's just what they're actually saying. You're like, oh shit, the people making that noise are the people who are trying to kill me right now. Like, mm. And it wasn't like until you mentioned like putting headphones on. I put headphones on and played it. I realized that a lot of them are saying stuff that you can't even hear in the full mix. If you're coming out of your TV, I couldn't hear. Like, there's this giant ogre thing. That can talk properly. Like, I heard him say a couple of things. There's all sorts like, of whispering stuff as well. Fucked up shit there's well. one bit where it was just chanting about blood and they were chanting yeah. so quietly. I was standing right outside the door and I could hear it. And it, yeah. It's like that kind of level of consistent murmuring chanting that makes you think you're going mad. It's sort yeah. of like... Almost so low that it's in the base of your brain. That sounds amazing. It's, it's really absolutely good, yeah. stunning. Um, but also, like, it's so intense to play with headphones that it's like it's, hard. it's a real experience. I've been trying to do it whilst hungover and ill, yeah. and it's that combined <laughs> with the fact that the game fucks with you yeah. in really interesting ways. And I mean, it's worth saying that the ways is they really fucks with you in interesting ways. A lot of the times, people didn't like Dark Souls was because it had a habit of kind of using cheap tricks sometimes. Um, especially in the second game I thought Dark Souls 2 mm. was really bad for just being like oh here's loads of enemies coming out of the door you didn't expect that um, or that's like, not clever or it was yeah it was really I think the second game was quite poor especially mm. now I've played uh, you know Bloodborne a lot more but even in the first game a lot of it was felt a bit like World of Warcraft style thing of being like you had to learn almost like a, a dance of being like well you run along this wall and you're safe or like you know you run forward then you run back and then they throw a bomb at you and the bomb yeah. goes off and then you're safe and it was almost like that learning patterns that you had for like World of Warcraft raids of being like, in order to do this boss, you just know these things and you do it carefully and then you're fine. Whereas in this, it seems to surprise you in different ways yeah. and in, in clever ways. In and really smart ways as well. That yeah. like I think we talked about earlier, but like there's a bit like, so I've, I've only done two bosses and I'm about like level 20, 21, something like that. But there's there's monsters in it now that I was stuck on for about an hour at the beginning of the game. Now I can kill them in one hit and you sort of, the game knows, I don't know how it just does. It knows when you start losing respect for enemies Hmm. and then it just changes something up. And then all of a sudden just like, how the fuck has this dog who, that I've been able to kill with one, like one hit from the beginning, how is that now killing me when I'm at this level? Like, well, it has this really oh. interesting new mechanic in it, yeah. which basically, it makes it that it's actually an easier game if you want it to be. Yeah, has the inside Insight, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I don't really know how you get insight. You just seem to accumulate it over mm. time. But the idea is this insight, you can spend it at a little shop. And it's kind of a way of making the game balanced for anyone, basically, because it means that if you're not very good at games, then what you do is you just collect this insight and then you spend it on get things. Get rid of it, yeah. And then by spending it on things, you get new things, like you get new armor, you get new items. Um, and then also, it means that the game is a bit easier. But if you don't spend it, if you keep accumulating insight and leveling it up, then the higher your insight gets, it starts to have effects on the world. It's fucked up. And there are so many effects that at the moment, well, this is really wonderful for a game like this, where everyone is like trying to data mine and like work out collectively how everything yeah. works there's still everyone's like we don't really know that's why I really love about playing it right now is like nobody knows what's going on even people who have so finished it and what like sort of doing effects? the reviews like, well the, things, the only things I know so far that inside, and I haven't been reading online that much mm. um, is I know that the moon gets bigger the more insight awesome. you have which is a really <laughs> subtle thing which only some people have noticed Yeah, uh, I've also noticed that um, the main thing you notice is when you have more than 15 insights, that's, right, yeah. that's the point at which it changes. Because I had to Google this because suddenly I went back to fight his enemies and they were different. Like, yeah. really different. And they were ruining me. And I was like... Like new attack patterns. Yeah. Like so suddenly, new attacks. Yeah, like, enemies you've all thought get new attacks. Yeah. 
So suddenly these enemies that I was fighting had this new ranged attack that they'd never done before. Yeah. Other enemies, they had like different weapons, basically. Their weapons were way more effective. Mm. And I don't know if it then scales up again more, but it has this thing of it. You kind of feel like, well, you have the choice at any point to make the game easier, but it's like, do you want to keep ramping yeah. it up or do you want to scale it? And I want to see what sort of stuff happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, more, they're yeah. trying to work it out. And there are people being like, the bosses don't seem to be affected by insight, apart yeah. from one boss, which is way harder if you've got high insight. Like, huh. yeah. And, I mean, that's always been the appeal of Souls games, is the fact that there's always, like, tons of stuff, and not everyone will find it all. I've no. already found a few little things that I think were by pure chance. Like, I talked to one character whilst wearing this outfit, and they gave me something, and I was yeah. like, oh, that was just luck. Yeah. There's, um, a, there's a thing today, like, um, someone tweeted about being stuck on a particular boss, and... Like I don't, I didn't really have a problem with that boss, but I've had a problem with another boss. So you can't be like, oh, that person doesn't know what they're doing. But then there was a couple of people tweeting in, going, oh, there's like glitches, and people were talking about using glitches as a legit way of like killing bosses and stuff. Yeah. Um, which at the beginning I thought, oh, that's ridiculous. Why would you do that? But then I think that's almost part of like the this is what I the souls heard about thing. I was Dark like, souls I don't too. personally believe. I you know if, if it glitches out and you kill it, fair enough. But but like Matt was saying, like um. Part of the game, part of the gameplay is is knowing how to trigger people's ranged attacks. Like they'll throw a bomb, and then you yeah. run back. And you, I kind of feel like you sort of like you're playing the game systems. Mm. And if you can glitch an enemy, to, like when I played Dark Souls two, I didn't play much of it, but there was an enemy where like I managed to get him into a corner, and yeah. I could just like go for it. Yeah, and I felt like I was cheating the game, but yeah. I also felt like cheating the game was. Because the game's cheating me as well. So yeah, time. It's constantly. sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's a give and take thing. I think so. And I, I think it does feel a bit less like that in Bloodborne, which I like. Oh, it hasn't happened to me yet. That's the thing. Well, like, no, that's the people, thing. People is... were saying like, oh, this bit happened and it glitched, it glitched loads. Or this happened and it glitched loads. Like, I haven't really seen the glitch in this boss that people were talking about. No. I didn't see that glitch at all. Also, I find that in the original Dark Souls and in Dark Souls 2, whenever I found the glitch was on my side or mm. I had the opportunity to do something that was kind of the game breaking and me being able to take advantage of it I kind of felt better about doing it in Bloodborne yeah. I've actually felt a bit guilty whenever things well, the have the problem happened. I would have mm. with it is like if you're not actually at a level where you should be able to do it now you're advanced into the game even further yeah. and you're you're just in over your head at that point because yeah. you only managed to get that far because you uh, took advantage of a glitch well it always just felt as well in Dark Souls and Demon Souls that the game was so actively opposed to you it felt like <laughs> it wasn't that the game was was deeply unfair just it's angry just that you're it there. was <laughs> such a dick to you yeah. and it wanted to stop you at every point that in a way taking advantage of those glitches just felt like you were just getting like you were just leveling the playing field by mm. looking for whatever you could but then the other way those games were also a bit more shonky and a bit more broken whilst Bloodborne feels a lot more like well polished and also so far not that cheap I mean the main difference really in terms of how the game plays is that the combat system now is a lot more like fluid and responsive and a lot closer to like a proper action game like yeah. Devil May Cry or Bayonetta or something. Oh yeah, I'm being way more aggressive than I thought I would have to be. Like you're actually like there was a bit you know, I'm hanging battles and I realised I have really you really have to go for it. It's a lot more competent in terms of how the combat plays and if you're if you're good at action games you can be really good at this quite mm. quickly. And I don't know, I, I felt like I haven't really felt the need to try and cheese stuff. I've always just felt like no. I'm not Good enough. I've gone in with a plan for each of the bosses. Like, maybe, like, you know, I actually, I did Clarabee's first time, so I didn't have to do that. But for Gascoigne, when I went in and did that, like, I went in with a proper plan and I was like, right, what has happened before that has hurt him the most? Okay, that's what you're concentrating on this time. Died, gone back, okay, right. That worked, that didn't work. Like, 
that was what I really, really liked. Was that I think was actually yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think the strength is, though, actually, mm. that I remember probably the point in Dark Souls where I realised that the trick of the game was just trying to not be terrified. Yeah. Because they're one of the, actually one of the most frightening enemies in the original Dark Souls was the gaping dragon. Mm. Actual horror design, a horrible thing. And yet, actually, probably the easiest boss fight in the game. But it's just the problem is yourself, you, yeah. you need to stop shitting yourself yeah. and you need to look at what's going on and you need to be careful and calm and methodical. And as soon as you do that, it's easy. Done, yeah. And I found the same thing with the early bosses in Bloodborne. Oh, was yeah. that the problem was they were scaring the fuck out yeah, of Yeah, Clarabee's is fucking horrible. And, and Father Gascoigne, terrifying. Yeah. And the thing is, what I'm loving about this game as it goes mm. on is it, it's because it's a horror setup. It's increasingly, I'm not getting out of that zone of being like... Scared, scared. Yeah. like whereas you kind of get into a habit of being like it's fine I'm not scared whereas I'm constantly scared of everything I yeah. meet in this game mm. especially because I'm not going to spoil anything but it starts to do things to you and you're just like what the fuck just happened like <laughs> it kills you in ways which are just like that. what just what did you just do to me yeah. like and it's genuinely very frightening yeah it's, it's, it's really really good there was a point the other day where I was in my office like beating the first time I beat Claret Beast and I was I was holding back for like at least like three minutes and I was just afraid to go attack him. I think what you're talking about where you're just like, I don't want to attack him. I don't want to engage with this. But then there's a point where you have to go right, fucking man up, get on him. Otherwise, you're just going to be circling him for the next hmm. 20 minutes doing nothing uh, because they're so fucking scary. It's, 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 it's very, it is very, very good. Mm. I think a lot of people are kind of, uh, I don't know, I think a lot of people are, it's, it's worth having a look. If Even if you've kind of looked at Dark Souls in the past and not enjoyed it, you know, if you really hated Dark Souls, then maybe yeah. you kind of hold off. But I think it's got a lot of appeal that other games, other games in the series, just haven't. I'm gonna try it. Do it, and I'm not gonna be scared because I'm not a pussy. And on that bombshell, let's have some questions. So first, we've got a question from Jack Easton, who says, "Alien Isolation aimed to capture the film's atmosphere. What other films would you like to see given the same kind of adaptation?" Jurassic Park Isolation. That's ne- your answer. Next question. <laughs> Blade Runner Isolation. <laughs> Blade Runner would be awesome. Blade Runner's already had a cool point-and-click adventure game. Bambi isolation. You don't know your mum's dead, and you just spend the whole game yeah. looking for her. Never find her. She's Bam- dead. Bambi's crawling through air vents, popping out. <laughs> pretty, pretty much like every sci-fi game has pretty much yeah, just tried to sci-fi Blade film. Runner, really, yeah. isn't it? Like, but I, th- I think Jurassic Park did, like, is do a good game. Like, Why isn't that a good... That should be an amazing yeah, just game. Yeah, it's great. It's even if it was just Which trying was to the find... top-down one, yeah, yeah, that was really good. Hang on, it's just a mod, isn't it? Just mod isolation, so it's a Velociraptor done. Oh, fuck, that'd be really good. Yeah, they are working on a new game. Like, I hope they're not working on Aliens Isolation. Get on Jurassic Park. They definitely isolation. are. There's not so much bloody isolation if there's loads of aliens, exactly. are there? Yeah, they don't hey? make any you sense. Got, you got a party going on. Exactly. Anyway, right, Stevie Tease. Now that Bloodborne is out, are there any other games that you're looking forward to with similar enthusiasm? I wasn't really that excited. I was kind of. I was going to play yeah, it, but seeing I, didn't... As I had no enthusiasm for Bloodborne before yeah. it came out. There were so many games I'm looking forward to at that level of enthusiasm. <laughs> yeah. I, d- I didn't get involved with the hype at all for Bloodborne. I didn't look mm. up anything about it, no. so um, I wasn't Stabbed. really waiting for it. It just sort of happened. Yeah. Uh, what am I looking forward to? Firewatch, that Oli Moss game. Firewatch is actually. I saw that briefly at GDC. I'm looking forward to GTA Five on PC. Finally, yeah, it's coming out soon, in April. This month, you can. I think you you are able to preload it right now. You can, yeah. and I'm just looking forward to the mods people are going to make for it. Yeah, it's going to be amazing. And they, like they usually do some interesting things with the PC version, mm. like with GTA Four, they had like, the movie making stuff and yeah, 
I'm looking forward to a whole bunch of stuff. Xenoblade Chronicles, I quite fancy that when I get a yeah. hands, when I get a chance to play it. Yeah. I'm still blasting my way through. Uh, say blasting. I'm not really blasting. I'm very gently motoring my way through Monster Hunter Four. Mm. Probably take me the rest of my life, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Oh, what else is good? Are you getting heists with P- are you? Look at you <laughs> for a PC me. website, but yeah, all the, all the heists. heists oh, wicked, yeah. Yeah. It's so good. Mm. That bit is. Um, I think No Man's Sky. I'm really interested to see what that does. Oh, yeah. If that can be a good game. Like I'm really, really looking forward to that, um, and I, I really like Batman to be really good because I love Batman. I love, like really like the Batman games, and I haven't been excited by that at all. But I think same. I think, but I, I think maybe yeah. the fact that I haven't allowed myself to be excited about it at all I might mean so, yeah. that when it comes out, it will be great, and I love it again because I haven't really, really touched them since City. No, honest. It's weird on PC that so much of what everyone's playing now is like early access. Like things don't really launch on PC anymore. Yeah. Like, there's obviously huge titles that do. Yeah. But like, like most of what I'm playing now is like alphas and betas of, of unfinished games. Does that wreck games. it though? Like, does that because you, you, you play you something and you don't you, build like... up the anticipation for yeah. for this thing finally launching? It is different. Instead, isn't it? it's just like you're playing a broken version for two years until it's done. Well, I tend to do it the other way around. If I just try something and go, "Yep, yeah, this is going to be a great game." And then mm. I know, like, Invisible Link will be out soon. Mm. And I'm sure that, that will be a great game because mm-hmm. I played it a year ago or so and it was great then. And it will be way better now, I'm sure. Like, yeah. You can just see sometimes you're like, yeah, it's a combination of being like this studio clearly have the caliber to pull this off. Mm. And the early design structure of what they've got is just, it's completely That's going true. the right direction. There are direction. some games where it's like, it's fun to come along for the journey with the developers and yeah. see it expand in front of your eyes. Like Kerbal Space Program, yeah, which I've been okay, playing yeah. for years. Uh, it's just approaching version one now, and it's changed so much since I've started playing it. And it's, it makes you excited for each version. It's like a new game coming out every time there's a version update. They add new things to the game. Yeah, and it's uh, just an interesting way of following development of something. Yeah. Another question from Aslan Silver, which is great. Always makes me think of lions. Uh, what are some great stylish games to play with buddies locally, co-op, or controller swap allowed? Go. Uh, Johnny Keydini just did a really good video actually for Eurogamer, which is about co-op games that are single-player games. And I have this quite a lot because my girlfriend doesn't play video games, but she loves watching me play video games and they'll sort of affect my decisions and stuff like that. And I think the Telltale games are really, really good for that. Yeah, they can um, like be. Walking Dead and Fables. I tried to do that with my girlfriend in Game of Thrones, and every time she made a decision, it was too late. So okay. it was like, oh, we didn't do anything again. Mm. Um, so also, I think that's a bit of a cop-out for this question. Just really? being like, yeah, well, why don't you play a cop game? Why don't you play a single-player game as you get someone else to watch you? <laughs> um... I know what you mean. I'm trying to think what else I play with. Well, one thing I played this week, actually, I played uh, because Coins was making a video about it for Rock, Paper, Shotgun, Mm. uh, was Chariot, which is a game which came out a while ago. Oh, well, that is. We recorded a little, like, let's play video. I say little. It ended up being about 35 minutes, but it's a very enjoyable and gentle uh, thing to watch. It's basically, it's a game where, like, you are a princess and your dad was the king, but the king's dead. And now... You basically just have to like wheel his coffin around and you have to just pull it up. And it's a little co-op game where basically what you do is you, you can play it on your own, but it's great fun with two people because it's basically a coffin with, with two ropes attached to it. And it's basically like like mountain climbers or whatever. So it's the idea okay. of like one person climbs up and then they like duck down to hold themselves in and they pull the rope in and it pulls up and then the other person will climb up the rope and up and then you'll pull it up. And sometimes you have to both pull in to tense the box and so it can like... Mm. be a platform and you can yeah. pin it in and 
it's really good fun. It's basically what it boils down to is this thing of being like, have you got it? Are you holding it? You go, yeah, I've got it. And then you go, okay. And then they haven't got it. And then it all falls off the cliff again. You have to that do it again. Awesome. It's that really fun. Cool. It's got um, a really fun light art style. And uh, yeah, if you want to kind of get check that out, then I would recommend watching this video on my YouTube channel about us playing that. And it's funny. It's mainly funny as well because A, it's a funny game to watch people play and be bad at. And the fact that the premise is that you're the, you're the princess your dad's dead, but when you play it in two-player, um, the second player is your fiance, and it's just kind of this wonderful thing of like yeah. you, you, you're having this really long, awkward, awkward date with your your girlfriend and their, their dad, yeah, who still yeah. talks to you, he's sort of a ghost, and sort of just being like spending all of your time with your huh. your your girlfriend's dead dad, yeah, sort of thing. You'd have to really like someone to do that <laughs> to spend weeks. Carrying around the corpse of their father. Yeah. It's sort of a relationship. He says they're control swap, but one control swap game that I've been playing is Titan Souls, which is on next week. Ah. That's a really Is that controller swap? Game. You can, yeah. Again, this is just you like, being like, you can take it in turns. No, no, exactly. Yeah, that's what he means about controller swap, though. Mm. Nah, like, I think he meant. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what he means. No, okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, like that is really, really good because like, you have like one life each and you just pass it. Like It's such a good game, but it's so infuriating. Uh, because you've just got one arrow, one heart, and you've got to kill a boss, and the bosses are oh, so hard. Yeah, I'm actually. That's another one I'm really looking forward it's to. It's really, really. But a game. Really I think good. is that I'm not. I don't like to read about games before they come out anymore yeah. now. But it's not in a week, that is. So that's awesome. really good. Yeah, yeah. It's a game. One of those games I've just yeah. seen pictures of and gone. I'll play that, but I don't want to know anything else about it. It's mm. really, really good. It's like I think it's probably going to be my favorite. One of my favorite games this year, um, because it's just. You think it's it, like it boils down sort of bloodborne to it's like bare essentials of just like killing bosses, and then you think you've got the boss, and you kill it in a way that you think oh, I've planned this, I've planned this, and then you end up killing it in a really fluky way, which doesn't have to happen very often. But it happened to me. It happened to me the other day where I killed one in like it made me look like such a badass. <laughs> and I just I, love and the I premise that you've it. got one bow, one yeah. arrow, and a bow. And if you miss, you don't have to just run around and get the arrow. <laughs> it's it's like you've really got like a plunder. Like you use your arrow, you're like shit, I miss, and you just go. Brown now, gotta go pick my arrow up. You're so the I worst shoot hero in the world. Yeah, like, that's what it's like having a bow. It's really good though. Just have more. Yeah, two. And, and because if you, play, if you play that locally as well, which I have been playing, like uh, <laughs> you learn from other people's mistakes, or you think you've learned. You're like, <gasps> you see someone dying away, and you're like, shit, I'm never gonna die like that again. You die exactly like that straight away. <laughs> Um, but there's one, one of the actually really, really good core game uh, called Panarium, which uh, is coming out soon. And that is one of the best core plays I've played for a while. Like, you're a little fat kid and you have a little fat kid friend. Uh, and you're, for some reason, you bought the wrong ticket to a circus. So now you're both, now you're in the circus. And when you're a co-op, you're both in the circus. Uh, but this is like this amazing thing where like you're, you have to like avoid all these different enemies and stuff. Um, it, and But you both have to be standing on these little... Uh, in the co-op version, you have to be standing on these little buttons, and if your friends are standing on the button at the, at the right time, like, and you get killed, it, it's really, really good to just lose your shit. At the person, um, there's a video I made actually for IGN that where I'm playing it with someone and Panarium. Yeah, and someone. I love the premise. Good, yeah. You bought the wrong tickets, and now you're in the circus. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that is like, be careful which, which, uh, which, which tickets you, you buy. <laughs> such a brilliantly dumb yeah. premise. Yeah, I love it's it. It's a really good game. Te- yeah, Team Seventeen are releasing that. I think. Okay. Uh, Sam Gregg asks which games contain the best awkwardly animated puppet-like sex scenes he's just asking for a friend which he's means asking obviously for himself. he's asking for himself he's going to be chugging himself off gently whilst listening to this <laughs> yeah. Chuck, he's going to be sucking himself off chugging 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 I think is mouth 
Oh no, I was trying to be. You I was chug to, a drink. Jesus, Gavin. I was trying to use like a subtle, t- a weird, odd term that could be like, oh, it's a bit saucy, but doesn't really mean anything. So Sam right. Gray can suck himself off. And now you've made it explicit yeah. three times. Holy shit, Sam. Well done, dude. Why are you bothering asking these questions? Golf twins suck himself off. Weird scene in uh, Fahrenheit. Oh, yeah. Also known as the Indigo Prophecy. Yeah, it's not as Fahrenheit. Which uh, yeah. she has sex with a basically an animated corpse. Yeah. That's nasty. That's nasty. Yeah, it's not very really good. I'm not going to beat that. Let's just move on. Yeah. Uh, ben Cotton <laughs> says, if everyone in life had Mass Effect style dialogue trees, how many people would you interrupt with punching? Well, I think if real life also had the the, the kind of lackadaisical approach to being able to just punch people in the face and then relatively get away with it without yeah. any problems. Mm. All the time. I think I would have punched Gavin a minute ago when he kept saying, <laughs> sucking off. I would, have, I would have immediately been like, I'm shutting this down. <laughs> I think anyone who's ever had to work in an, an office with like either sales or marketing Humans. people. <laughs> uh, if you've ever had to like be involved in like a sales pitch for something, uh, then you'd be punching people out Antorio. of windows yeah. all the time, every single yeah. minute of every like single. Pausing day. for thirty seconds in complete silence, <laughs> and then spontaneously punching someone out of a window. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Going, Did you just say that, Chris? <laughs> See that window? That, yeah, I know what's happening. There. I love that. And, then, and then the only repercussions would be like, maybe like a couple of days later, you bump into the head of marketing yeah. and he'd be a real dick to you because you punched like somebody from yeah. sales out of the market, out of yeah. window. Depending on the game, you might punch him. Grow little horns. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your eyes are kind of red. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, but I don't know. Murdering people who work in sales and marketing, maybe you wouldn't. That might be yeah. good karma. Um, anyway, you might get a little mild halo, <laughs> like in Fable. And finally, um, Alex of Alexia asks, favourite obscure game from childhood? The kind of thing your dad would pick up at a car boot sale. Mine would be Super Alest for the SNES. What's mine? I really love the Animaniacs game on SNES. Oh, so good. Yeah. That was good, That's actually a really it? good game, though. Yeah. And I remember I being surprised at that era. Mm. I remember when I got um, I got bought it. This is really lame. Uh, this was when I was, I think it was my my christening or something when I was a kid. And I was allowed to get a game as a reward or Didn't something. you christened when you were a baby? No, because my parents didn't really get into like... Um, I don't think my parents got into that church stuff until I was about... Seven, six, or seven, and you grew that six, six, six on your head. a devil, baby man. Uh, so I got um, Sonic, and no, it wasn't Sonic. It was a uh, Mickey and Donald's Cat in the Castle Evolution. Oh, wicked! On Great game as well. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Like, and now, like, you just sort of think anything with that, like, you'd be like, no, don't go near it, don't touch mm. it. Anything with like licensed kids characters or a cartoon game. Back then, yeah, Animaniacs was great. Yeah, Animaniacs was really good. My my one, which is sort of similar, is uh, Pushover. Oh, uh, Pushover, which, yeah, sponsored by Quavers. Sponsored by Quavers. It was a Quavers game, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you were an ant. Uh, yeah. You were general... Oh, what the fuck is his you name? You had to set, so up, annoying. set up a domino rally. That's right, yeah. Uh, it's a puzzle game. You had to yeah. pick up domino pieces and place them and push one over. You can only push yeah. over one domino. That's right, and yeah. it has to get all the way down. And, and it has to, like, the, there's this one domino which has to fall last for the door to open. Mm. Uh, and it was so, so good. Did you eat a lot of quavers as a kid? Yeah, of course I did. I was a fat kid. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I don't even know what how quavers are involved. I think maybe quavers were stolen at the beginning. You you were trying to get the quavers back for the dog. Yeah. But the dog's not in it. No. <laughs> I thought we were going into an intervention there. I don't even know how quavers were involved. <laughs> they were just there. And oh, I couldn't stop. Advertised too. But my, my, my auntie had it. Because like, my auntie got me into video games when I was a kid. And she had it on PC. But she also... 
did, she didn't play with a keyboard and mouse. She played with a joystick. Right. Uh, and actually playing that game with a joystick, because all you've got to do is move, pick up, move back. Mm-hmm. It was like something... I was playing it and like in my head I always thought it was way before it was actually was it was actually wasn't that it was obviously long ago, time ago but it wasn't like as far back in my childhood as it actually seemed because I was using a joystick um, which is really weird but yeah, yeah that would be mine mine was a game I've been thinking about a lot um, lately I don't know why um, I guess I've just been regressing a lot in my head lately and just trying to like remember and enjoy things I used to like when I was a child. Anyway, um, it's Soleil. I can't remember what it's called in America. It had a weird name. Soleil. Soleil was what it was called. Sure, this isn't an ice cream. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> when I was a kid, I liked two things. Soleros <laughs> and PCs. <laughs> no, Soleil uh, was like written like, you know, the French word for sunshine. Mm. I'm cultured. Uh, was a Mega Drive game where you played a like a little hero who had to go and try and save your village by killing the monsters. But it was amazing um, because really early on in the game, it did this thing of just being like a traditional Zelda-style thing. You had a yeah. sword, you cut grass, you got some money and all that stuff. And it just seemed like it was being very, very standard. But then right early in the game, you went into this field and you went to like talk to a... You just found a random hut and it was like, oh, a little, like, a little tent with a fortune teller. And you went in the fortune teller, the music went all weird and the fortune teller like gave you a really weird fortune. Mm-hmm. You were like, what the fuck was that about? And then you went outside again and there was a flower outside the door and the flower started talking to you and you were like, what? <laughs> anyway, then you went back and there was a dog that was running around the little play park and then you went, oh, and you talked to the dog before and the dog, dog goes, woof. Now he talks to the dog and the dog talks to you and you're like, okay. And then you go back to the town and all of the humans like that you were talking to before now just speak nonsense. Like, and it's this thing of basically is now you can talk to animals, but you can't talk to humans. Um, but then throughout the game, it basically had this really cool storyline that um, this idea that you always thought the monsters were bad, but then actually you end up spending time talking to monsters and you realize that monsters weren't that bad and they were actually afraid of humans and you were just often just running down and murdering them. But it also had this brilliant, amazing system whereby your sword, you could plug in like you collected little animals and you could choose two of these little animals to imbue your sword with something. Mm. And the different combinations of animals... You know in Gunstar Heroes, you have two different weapon types and they yeah. create a different thing. It was like that, but with shitloads of animals. Mm. And you could there were so many combinations that like you could like have a flying squirrel and that meant that when you threw your sword, it would you could throw your sword and fly it. And then you had the butterfly, which meant you could kind of control things. You combine them two and you basically throw your sword and then you could like... The camera would follow your sword around the map, and you could, could just control it. And Matt, this game never existed. <laughs> you, uh, I know. Anything about this? Made this up. It didn't. It Do you didn't. remember um, Alundra on the PS One? That was great. As that well. was yeah, such yeah. an amazing RPG. I don't know why what you said re- reminded me of it. <laughs> but um, the last time I was on this, actually, I was talking about the Worm style game. Uh, where you were UFOs and you were at planets and we couldn't remember Warheads, Warheads, Warheads yeah. and then someone tweeted us saying that game was called Warheads but no honestly so like it sounds like it's a made up game but it was genuinely incredible I keep thinking about it I kind of want to play it again well I have I to take your word for it because there's no way I could check if it was real so <laughs> <laughs> and on that note um, let's call it a day thank you very much for listening to the Dark Souls podcast thank you very much to you guys for joining thank you, thank you very much um, it's been a real pleasure if you have enjoyed this podcast you can rate and review it on iTunes or you can just share it with your friends or you can write the word on your hands with a biro and clap and show clap. it to your mum <laughs> and then when people look at your hands to go why are you clapping they might see the words and then go you better look that up on the internet mm. anyway thanks very much bye 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 bye